Hello and welcome back to the Anakin Chelsea podcast with me, your host, Yan. Um, apologies, this pod has taken so long to come out, but man has been sick. In fact, I still am sick. Um, you can probably hear it. Uh, I know I'm difficult to understand at the best of times, but now it's probably a little bit more difficult. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Molvidi result, the Europa League home win, the game I was at, uh, the Saints away win. We're going to be looking ahead to Manchester United. We're going to be saluting John Terry. We're going to be talking about Eden Hazard. Um, maybe a bit of Alvaro Morata and maybe a little bit of Auschwitz. Yeah, let's go. Okay, guys, before I get into the match reviews, I want to um, tip my cap to John Terry, captain leader legend JT, who's announced his retirement recently. Um... We all sort of maybe saw this coming. I know there was a sort of flirtation and um, possibility of him to go and play in Russia or Ukraine or something. Um, and then, you know, he, he put that sort of social media statement out about how he's not going to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be difficult today, me talking through this cold, for both me and you, the listener. <laughs> so bear with me. JT, yeah, so he's, um, he's announced his retirement. Uh, a lot of people, you know, paying their respects to his career. Um, saying how he was probably the greatest centre-back in the Premier League era, which I'd be inclined to agree with. Um, and yeah, it turns out he is becoming the assistant manager at Aston Villa, <clears throat> which, is a, which is a great move. They love him there as a player um, last season, and he's obviously demonstrated leadership qualities for them. So yeah, I think it'll be really good. We've got our boys JTN Lamps tearing it up in the... Um, in the championship, granted JT as a assistant coach, but I think it might work really well. Hopefully, it does. Um, I mean, there's a question about this that I'm going to answer in the a couple of questions at the end of the pod from you guys, so I'll, I'll get back to that. But yeah, you know, good on him. Classic um, social media negative response of whenever something happens regarding JT. You know, a lot of social media abuse, but um, you know, people who are who've met JT and had experiences with him have all sort of explained how it's a, it's a nonsense and a lot of it's media conditioning regardless to mistakes in his uh, professional career. But yeah, what a player, what an absolute player. Um, yeah, so respect, sir. So let's talk about some games. Mole at Vidi, uh, Stamford Bridge. I um, I was there in the West Upper around the halfway line. Great seats, uh, difficult game. I think the main initial takeaway of this was the lineup. It was the standard play the youth, play the youth. Um and we didn't play the youth. We had Zari heavily rotated, which he has been doing a lot, but he does look to be trusting his older players. It's very interesting, um, because he did say preseason when Callum put in a decent shift and some great performances, he said yeah, he will be featuring for us. You know, maybe not in the Premier League, but he will be featuring for us. If he's not featuring in these group stage Europa games, um, home games, then, you know, what's the deal? Um, I heard on the London is Blue pod, um, I think it was Nick, one of the hosts, was mentioning maybe he hasn't signed a contract like Ampadu has, so perhaps there's issues with the club trying to force him to sign a contract because he's such sort of a hot prospect and, um, you know, you want to play, you you sort of uh, put your future with us kind of thing. Anyway, we don't know that. That's only speculation, unless he had some information. 
So yeah, we don't know what's going on with Callum. I think Ampadu is just generally happy he signed a new contract. He hasn't been with Chelsea for long. He's not an academy player. His career trajectory has been astronomical this last 18 months. So he's got no sort of no issues really, which is understandable for the lads. But yeah, it was um it was a lot of heavy rotation. Um, Morata started in that game, scoring the only goal. Um, we did see Hazard and Kante come on. Hazard made an excellent run in front of me, actually. Um, my friend who I was with was a Fulham fan. He was on his feet applauding, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, and it was uh, it was heavily rotated. Rotated the whole back four, I think. Christensen and Cahill started. Uh, Kepa started, which was a bit of a surprise. But we had Zappacosta and we had Emerson. Yep, Emerson on the flanks. Um, midfield of Kovacic did start, and then I believe it was Fabregas and um, Ruben. Ruben had a decent enough game. I think he got hooked at 70-odd minutes. Um, but he did play well. He had a decent enough game. I remember him carrying the ball very well. Um, nothing awe-inspiring, but nothing was in that game. And then up front, it was Morata, flanks by Willian, and I believe... Moses, or it might have been Pedro. Anyway, that's not important. What's important <laughs> is um how it was that we had to dig out a result there, which is odd. At home to Montevideo, but they were the um they were quite resolute, and uh, I've always used the word dogged because they were. Um, and it took a very good finish from Morata, and he got very emotional after the goal, which was kind of good. I think Chelsea fans want to see that reaction because it obviously means a lot to him. I did a big sort of tweet about Alvaro Morata on my Twitter sort of thread about how I described his him, his history in terms of mental fragility, this, that, and the other. But he is a very technical, skilled player. But will he, you know, he's got two and two now, but will he make it at Chelsea? That remains to be seen. See what happens. Um, you know, Hazard loves playing with Giroud in terms of link-up, but we need goals ultimately, especially when we're lacking goals in the midfield. Um yeah, so I don't want to say too much more about the game. The away fans were absolutely brilliant. The uh, Molvidi fans, they were, you know, proper ultras. Um, yeah, and I had a great night out in uh, Fulham. Got got to watch the Chelsea, good seats. Could have done one more goals, but uh, got to see Ez and Hazard do, do his thing again. Great, uh, great night out, if not the greatest game. So, yeah, two, two out of two in, uh, in the Europa League group. It's a little bit uninspiring in terms of these 1-0 wins, but hopefully as... Well, let's just hopefully we score more goals, guys. And that's that for the more video game. Let's look at the Saints game. This was a little bit more tasty and entertaining for a whole host of reasons. Rotated back to essentially the first team. Uh, the most notable um, changes from what our starting eleven had been was Barkley starting. And um, yeah, Oli G came back in as well. Really entertaining game because, before I move on to our goals, can I just, I want to say this, I was going to tweet this, but I forgot. Does anyone notice this season how, if there is a god, he's wrapping his hands around Chelsea at the moment? The amount of opposition players, <coughs> excuse me, that are missing sitters against us is like astronomical. You know, from the, the first game to the Arsenal game, like three in a row in front of goal, to the Yarmolenko header, to the, um you know, what's his... Danny Ings' chance, to Sturridge missing, to Shakiri missing sitters. Everyone's coming in front of our goal to an open bloody goal, and they're all skying it. So we are riding our luck at the moment. I mean, you could say it's fine, we've earned the luck. We're like, you know, 
getting our getting our shit together in its early days and this that and the other but god damn i mean i haven't said said this to anyone and i was just thinking about it yesterday like man there's a lot of sitters people are missing in front of our goal long may it continue <laughs> well no because you know what let's not give them that opportunity because as good as our centre-back pairing have been at the at you know the majority of times, Rudiger and Louise certainly have surprised a lot of people. There's just those killer chances we're conceding to the uh, opposition that they're not tucking away. Anyway, so it was a 3 0 win. Barkley getting a goal and an assist. Eden Hazard getting a goal and an assist. And um, Morata two and two. The final, excuse me, the final goal in the game in stoppage time. And it was like a, after like a, it was the longest passing move leaving, leading to a goal this season, which is cool, I guess. It wasn't a particularly, Arsenal scored a wicked goal on the weekend in terms of, it was a little bit like, not scruffy because there was a lot of sort of finesse touches, but you can tell it was just sort of like a scrappy instinctive, oh, you know when you do like kick-ups with your mates and you, you keep it going accidentally and you know, you, you catch the ball in the back of your heel over your head and it just keeps going and you all get excited like, you're not super ice cold doing it out of skill. You're all kind of shocked it's happening. <laughs> you know, but it's happening. That was like the Arsenal goal. Um, but yeah, the Chelsea one was it's loads of passes, but it wasn't. Um, it was more just maintaining possession. I I found rather than loads of you know, fifteen really impressive passes that just dissected the opposition team and then put it away. So whether that stat means much to me, I not really. But yeah, not a great finish from Morata actually. It was a really a really good finish to take over the keeper. Um, you know, a, a huge recurring theme about Morata and it's him scoring goals is it has to be instinctive. He can't have time to think because that's when he gets inside his head and fucks up the chance, you know. Um, hence, one-on-ones with the keeper when he's got time and he just makes the wrong decision. Whereas these instinctive finishes he's doing are, you know, are really good. So um, hopefully we put him in the position where he scores these instinctive finishes more. Eden Hazard goal, another lovely, lovely move by the brilliant Belgian. Um, and he was, that ball from Barkley, straight away, got possession, won it back and just lofted that straight uh, ball to Hazard who picked up and scored. And you could tell Hazard looked at him afterwards when he celebrated and he was like, yes, mate, that's what I need from you. <laughs> and then obviously um, Barkley got his goal, which was um, a bit of a tap-in, but he earned it. He had a great, great performance. Um and, you know, he felt like, I felt like that was the sort of, um, his real initiation with Barkley. Like, we were like, he felt like I've, I've arrived now, you know. When when uh, he came off and got subbed and he got all that sort of appreciation from the Chelsea fans, he was like, yep, now I'm playing for Chelsea, you know. When he, when he first moved, it was a risk and he'd obviously been out the game for so long and what did he expect from, I don't know what we told him when we signed him, what to expect from, from us as a club, whether it was just training or a bit part, but... He thought, you know what, I took the risk and it paid off. Here I am, you know, whether he's going to be starting over Kovacic or whatever, but damn, it's nice to know we can get some goals out that fucking midfield, excuse my language. And yeah, I think with Sari and the amount of possession we've got in the spaces we'll, we'll go, yeah, he'll start thinking, I need to start taking shots. You know, I can, I can bang a long ball here. I can hit the ball from 25 yards. If Barkley scores, like... 10 goals this season well if he's not starting that might be if he's not starting that might be ambitious but you know if he can just get some goals across competitions that'll be so useful um you know especially unless uh, Kante Kante's obviously a big talking point in terms of um 
his finishing ability because he's uh you know his his ball his ball playing is very good his winning possession higher up the pitch and he's obviously very good at listening to the coach i think he always has been you know they tell him to do something and he does it hence him successfully arriving in the box at you know certain times it's just poor finishing so whether sari would change that or not but anyway it's just good to see Barkley have a great game and gain some confidence. He seems to be buzzing um, a lot recently. He had a, he did the presser before um, the Mulvidi game, which was nice to see. Um, being very positive, he's just such a scouser. You know, you know. The amount of I was literally if you watched a two-minute interview of Ross Barkley and played a drinking game that every time he said you know you take a shot, you'd end up in the hospital. Um, but you know. God bless him, he's doing really well for Chelsea, so long may it continue. Suddenly that midfield is looking packed. Um, you know, Sesk did play, I just did a Ross Barkley there. God, I'm going to be subconsciously throwing in the your nose now. I'm going to watch myself and get paranoid. You know, you know, Sesk Fabregas did a good job uh, in midweek. Um, whether he's quick enough, like more of a cerebral player, as quick as uh, Jorginho to, to do it in the bigger games, I don't know. But he seems to be incredibly happy also. He seems to be really um, pleased to be working under Sari and he feels like he's learning a lot as well. So that's really good, man. All looks really good. Happy camp, happy midfield. Um, so yeah, when we go over to the, as we go over to the international break from that great win. Is there anything else I want to say about the Saints game? I mean, we won 3-0. We conceded far too many chances. Um, oh, yeah. Danny Ings did a horrendous uh, tackle on Kovacic. He should have been sent off in my eyes. Um, everyone thought Eden Hazard was doing the uh, VAR sign, but I think he was sort of showing, like, making a screen, like, oh, you watch that back and you'll see, mate. You'll see, rather than, you know, go to VAR. Because <laughs> he has played in the Premier League for six, seven years. I think he knows there's no VAR. Um... It was an entertaining game to watch, very dominant, left us in a very good positive goal differential, second in the league behind Man City, above Liverpool. And it's early days, I don't want to be, you know, being too optimistic, but you can be very optimistic. Um, I'm not going to say we're title contenders, but we should be looking very comfortable for a top four finish. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so that's it for the Saints game. Um, we go into the international break with um, a very strong position. We've got the top scorer in Eden Hazard, more on him shortly. The joint top assist of uh, Olivier Giroud, which is I've sort of snuck into the stat, even though a lot were on four. And top passer in Jorginho. So we're looking very, very good. Um, everyone's suddenly talking about Chelsea. And up the fat in Chelsea, mate. All right, so that's probably enough for the match reviews. Um, I'm going to preview... Manchester United, and then I'm going to just go over different talking points and then do social media questions, alright. What the fuck is going on with Jose Mourinho? I mean, it's brilliant, but is it just, is it predictable? Did we see this coming even, you know, 18 months ago or whatever the hell it was? It's just bloody textbook. He's not what he used to be, is he? Like, come on. Even when he came out to Chelsea, he was a different man. He was a different manager. Bitter. Bit broken after Real Madrid. I mean... It's funny, like, certain people, yeah, like, that still believe in him. Frank Lampard, who won the, um... What was it? The, uh, Football Legends Award or something. Sports Personality Football, something like that. In uh, London the other night, Jose did, like, a... Apparently a thank you video in the, um... 
in the uh, what's it called the event or whatever. And then uh, Lamps was being interviewed afterwards about with his award, and he they was asked about Jose Mourinho, and like you know you get him and JT and people they just back him constantly. You know they don't want to see him like this. They obviously know him a lot better than the punter knows, but. Chelsea fans are enjoying it. The league's enjoying it because it's Manchester United, which is obviously they've had it their own way for, well, for the majority of the Premier League era, but um, not for the past six or seven years, you know. Uh, they obviously had that comeback against uh, Newcastle, which showed a lot of, like, stones. Well, I say that. I'm reluctant to praise them too much because Newcastle are 19th. They're, like, two points. They were, like, you know, they were so poor, man. And they were, they were oh, Trafford. I mean, the fans are they're allowed to get gassed because they've seen um, their players put a shift in that second half and come back and win, you know. Very much, you know, it was awesome for them when they did that against City, what was the title last season, you know, when they came back to win 3-2 against that 2-2. But it's fucking Newcastle United, dude. No disrespect to, to Rafa and, you know, on-loan Kennedy. Oh, they signed Kennedy now, have they? They signed him? Anyway, whatever, he scored a decent enough goal, even though they shouldn't be showing him on that foot. So, it's still a shit show at United. The The camp isn't happy. You know, whatever happens, if he makes it to the end of the season, I would be incredibly surprised to see him, you know, be there next next season, the following season. Because it just seems so toxic. There's just he's just coming out of all sorts of shit. I think he's done. He's done there. He's living in a hotel. His hair's getting closer and closer to that buzz cut. Everyone's slagging off each other. <laughs> They're leaking stories about this, that, and the other. Jose's camp apparently that was his camp who released the sack story. Um, Gary Neville's coming out saying the club's disgusting the way they're working on or running things. So it's pretty toxic. Um, but that aside, let's talk about the game. They're coming to Stamford Bridge. It is after the international break, which I'm not sure who that suits more. Probably United. Um, anything can happen because obviously the, you look at where they are on the table. Obviously, that's not a reflection of their ability and talent or even Josie's managerial skills, even if he's on the decline. I mean, come on. Um, you, I think Chelsea will be favourites for the bookies because we're at home and we're in good form prior to the international break. And, you know, we're just... The players believe in the manager. We're playing an expansive, open, attacking football. And United aren't doing that. They're playing a sort of defensive, unknown rigidity system. And then, at the end, they put themselves in a shit position. So they all have to just start playing for themselves and doing well. Um, Matic might be out, which I guess is a good thing. Maybe it's not. (laughs) Maybe they'll be forced to play, like, someone who's actually going to play long passes over the top, which might do us. So it's a very interesting game. I think we'll win. I think if um, if we score quite early in the game, we'll um, we'll put them to bed. But if we don't, it might be difficult. You know, Fellaini, if he doesn't start, might come on in the end. Come on in the end, get all elbows, and score a goal like he does. But um, it'll be an interesting game. Certainly, box office. The, the last time Jose Mourinho returned to Stamford Bridge against the new Chelsea manager, it didn't go very well for him. Ended up four 0 and that was an Italian dude as well. So um, it could, it's going to be a very interesting match. Uh, you'd, the only the one of the main talking points I'd say is for our, our players, you don't need to get them up for a home game against Jose Mourinho's Manchester United. You know, Eden Hazard will be licking his lips as he does. Um, I guess we'd probably play Giroud there to sort of push their centre backs around. And anyway, I'm just look, really looking forward to it. It's a little while to wait. 
it'll be a great game. Um, hopefully we we smash him. Uh, and yeah, it, I'm just really really looking forward to it. So hopefully um hopefully we win. Let me pr- do a prediction. I'm going to say two one Chelsea. Jose will just do everything in his power to not get slapped about, but we'll probably win because of the quality and style at the moment. So two one Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, I'm going to cover a couple of talking points before I do a couple of questions from the social media. Um, and yeah, I don't really know what else to say, guys, about the Man United game, apart from it's going to be hella box office, the return of Jose once again. And we should beat them, because we're looking like a better team, and they are looking like trash, and it's hilarious. Let's move on. Right, before we talk about mon frère, Eden Hazard, um, I just read this morning in The Guardian, I haven't actually read the whole article, but the concept of Chelsea FC wanting to send racist fans to Auschwitz, <laughs> which is a pretty, like, <laughs> it's a pretty radical headline, and I was just sort of had to get my head around it, like, what? But, um, it's a concept of, uh, instead of giving fans who, um, you know, do racist acts, I suppose, instead of giving them stadium bans or match bans, they, uh, give them the option to get educated and go to Auschwitz. Um, I don't know all the finer details because I was just read it before I drove to the studio. But um, have a have a read, look into it further. I mean, uh, on the surface value, before, without knowing much about it, it sounds like a really um, ambitious, if uh, if not anything else, but yet interesting idea. You know, it sounds like a very progressive approach to um to educating people and trying to trying to right some wrongs and ignorant um uh, views. So uh, that sounds really interesting, um, you know, sh- very forward-thinking, and hopefully, if it does, it does happen. Because you know, if there are some people with um, uh, very ignorant, uneducated perspectives of life, but they love watching football, you know, they might to to carry on watching football. They may have to sort out their ways. So hopefully, hopefully, that is um, a truism, and we can see if that develops into anything, or if it's just a story for the moment. All right, so let's get into the to the main event in terms of talking points. The form player in Europe since the beginning of the World Cup till now, the brilliant Belgian, the man in the prime of his life, the prime of his career, the full form of his career, arguably, top scorer in the Premier League, superb goals to minutes or goals involved with goals ratio, um, mesmeric to watch. Everyone looking at him. He's um he's been an excellent. Everyone's gone in their fantasy football. Anyway, he's talking about Madrid again. Um, he didn't come out and talk about it. He was um provoked in an interview, asked about it because uh at the end of the day, he's a very happy man at the moment. Like he keeps saying about how happy he is. Obviously, he's finally playing in an attacking system under an attacking manager. In a team he loves, with teammates he loves, and he's the main man, he can do what he wants, he's scoring loads of goals, and he's just having a laugh, you know. He's settled, his family's healthy and happy, and he's going to awards, he's just always got a smile on his face. So yeah, this, that, and the other. But um, I think it was, uh, what's his name, was it Simon Simon Johnson? He uh, interviewed him, and he asked him about it, and he said, look, you know, I said this because when I was a kid... Real Madrid's my dream, you know, this kid didn't grow up, um, he's not from West London, he's not, you know, he didn't grow up as a Chelsea fan, he, he saw Chelsea as an opportunity as he was becoming an adult, um, well, when he's in his late teens or whatever, because we'd won the Champions League, we're a big club, um, 
he looked at our players. He'd been watching our players recently and he saw great players, you know, like Didier Drogba and just all, all, all the greats at Chelsea. And he's like, oh, I can go and play for them. They're doing well. And, you know, he settled in and he's had a lovely time since. He's been very honest in terms of, yes, Real Madrid is... It's my dream, and I would have been at Chelsea for seven years. It's been seven awesome years. This club's given me everything, but essentially, this is, you know, <laughs> this is my last chance if I do want to change, you know. And if it would, if I ever did a change, it would be to one club, and it's this club, and they might come in for me. And you know, you can't begrudge him that. Imagine you're a footballer and you've got a career. You've had a long stint, seven years, and a very short career, by the way. So seven years in a footballer's career is like working at an office for you know, 20, 25 years. <laughs> so, um, and then you've got one final, like, opportunity to test yourself, to go to the biggest brand and club or whatever company in the world. Um, you're going to obviously think about it, and if you'd grown up dreaming about it, it's the one thing ever. So, you know, he's been incredibly honest. He says, like, he's basically essentially saying in the interview, a sort of, um, a, a, a a transcribed or a deciphered shorter version of all that stuff would be him saying that I don't want to snake Chelsea I'll see what Courtois did I'd never want to do that this club's given me everything and I am happy but you know this there's a good chance I'd want to do this because it's my last chance and the way he's just literally wearing his heart on his sleeve and being honest rather than saying yeah I'll probably sign a new contract and then drop the mic snake us and then leave you know he'd tarnish his Chelsea legacy and he's terrified of doing that and he doesn't want to um, leave at the cost of that. So, <clears throat> so that's 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 what he said in the interview. He says, "I'd be happy if I stay. I'd be happy if I go." And essentially, some days I wake up and I think, "Oh man, imagine if I go." And then some days he wakes up and says, "No, but I'm happy here. My family's settled. Everything's going well." So it's a dif- difficult career decision for Eden Hazard if you think about it that way. So that's his perspective. So mm, let's think about our, our and our perspective and the club's perspective. It would be a catastrophe. <laughs> he's the best player in Europe at the moment on form. He's a he's a ripe old age. Um, he's only going to have, you know, let's be real. I don't think he'll leave in January because he said he wants to help Sarri win a trophy. So it would be next summer when he's got 12 months left on his contract. It would be a catastrophe in the sense of 12 months is, you know, what 20% of a contract uh, these days in terms of uh, term so the value would go way down. Um, and he's our shining star, isn't he? It's not that Chelsea won't still be a big club and move on and this, that and the other. Because we, you know, we are a superpower in Europe now. We've got, you know, an excellent academy. We've got, yeah, we've got pull to, to good players around Europe, this, that and the other. But he is not replaceable. I had this discussion on Twitter with someone, I'm reluctant to say Hazard's the best player we will ever see at Chelsea because, you know, you don't know, you know. He's a top five player in the world, maybe top three at the moment. Um, and Chelsea's still a big, like I said, big European superpower and we might eventually eventually have another great player like that here again. But he's certainly in the immediate future, you can't replace Eden Hazard. So it'll be... A messed up, and then you look at the finances because his contract's run down, and we won't get you know much, much for him. I did do a tweet where I sort of posed the question to people Hazard's value on 12 months 100 million. Let's say if he was halfway through a contract, let's say he had two or three years left in a contract, just say two and a half years, or best part of three years, you'd be like, Yeah, 200 million, mate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> look at what he's doing. 
Look what he did in the World Cup. Look at his age. Look at his general form or ability throughout his career. You could ask that kind of some. But with 12 months, or at a push, because he's got a year left, you might try 100 million. So let's say 100 million. Um, he's, he wants to go to Madrid, okay? So it would, it would only be Madrid. And if you look at what Madrid are at the moment, they're a bit of a shit show, actually. They're doing really poor. Poor old Thibaut Courtois having an awful time of it, conceding three goals to Sevilla, conceding a last, last, like, 95th minute winner to Alaves, whatever they're called, the, the team in La Liga that haven't beat them for 90 years. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, really. But, um, yeah, they're a bit of a shit show. Lopete, you might be a sacked. Incidentally, on a tangent, there was the link with Antonio Conte. That would be bloody brilliant. If Conte goes to Real Madrid, that should kill all ties with um, Hazard going there. <laughs> but we don't know. Um, yeah, that would be brilliant if Conte goes to Real Madrid. Um, so, um, yeah, so let me get back to my point. Sorry, my, my ill brain's making me go all over the place. So say he's got 100 mil left, um, sorry, one year left in his contract, and it's 100 million out of push for selling him next summer. I think the club could arguably sit Hazard down and be like, look, mate, obviously we don't want to let you go. Um, you don't want to sign a new contract, but here's the deal, man. You've got a year left here. You're 28 going on 29 or whatever by then. Um, we're going to not sell you. We're going to run down your contract all the way until you can go on a free, which on the surface sounds absolutely lunacy. It sounds mental for an asset of that value. But provided he keeps professionalism, you there's an argument to be made of Eden Hazard playing for an additional 12 months in all four competitions, maybe even the Champions League, well, hopefully the fucking Champions League, playing in all four comps for an extra year is worth more than 100 million. Um, and not only is it worth more than 100 million, the club will be thinking, yeah, mate, by another year, Madrid can't wait two years from now to sign you when they're in the shit show. They're going to need their marquee signing. They're going to need that... Mbappe or Neymar signing because they need that sort of um, superstar so it would be a bit cruel to hazard that approach you know chaining him down until his contract's completely gone and Madrid can't get him anymore I mean unless he hates Chelsea and he's like you know what anywhere would take me on a free but if um, Madrid sign I say a Neymar that's going to be his sort of shining star spot even if they were to take him on a free but he could then look at Chelsea and be like, fuck it, I'll just sign five years here on a massive deal, carry on at Chelsea and everything's fine. It would be a tough negotiating tactic from um from the club, but you just think, God, they're probably thinking about these things in their head. Anyway, whatever. Ultimately, he's a really nice chap. He's been an amazing servant for us. He's entertained us so well. If he wants to go in the summer, they should let him go and we'll just be you know, crying for a while, but um, a lot of us will be watching the odd Real Madrid game. God bless Eden Hazard. Okay, let's um, let's do social media questions, guys. Okay, let's go. I've got just a couple I'm going to answer today. Um, both John Terry related to a degree. Um, Charles Newman asked me the favourite JT memory besides him wearing full kit in 2012 Champions League full kit wanker hashtag um, his has to be the 2005 winning goal to beat Barcelona 4-2 on the night and then 5-4 aggregate the move celebration too very very good oh man he's just got so many like brilliant brilliant memories for me it's not really like winning goals it's just like 
proper Chels. Do you know what I mean? Like he, when he's um, it's just his character. Like and it, people would say, you know, opposing fans would hate that, thinking it's the abrasive unpleasantness. But not really. No, I mean, how he dealt with people. Um, you know how he celebrated against opposition fans and how he just wasn't scared at all to speak his mind. I think probably one of my favourite moments is when he uh, <laughs> when he called out Robbie Savage in that presser <laughs> because he was like talking about people who've criticised him in his career. No one can question JT's career. And he's like, and he said, you know, I'll take criticism all day from, you know, your Carragher's and your Rio's. He's like, the peers at the highest level. I'll take that all day. I respect them. They're, you know, they're top of their game. But I'm not going to take any shit from Robbie Savage. <laughs> Which I love, I loved it, you know, um, and he wasn't like, he he was very measured, he did have a little like smirk in his face, but when he delivered that he was very measured, and that was just what we liked, you know, the world hated J2, but he loved the club and he loved us and he was just a leader, he was a warrior. I think rather than choosing a single, a single moment, Charles, mate, I think probably just how he held himself and how he's a warrior, just these little fleeting moments throughout, I mean, scoring winners or last-ditch tackles and this, that and the other, but I feel like for him, I just want to talk about his character in terms of a, as, a, as a leader in a collective. Um, yeah, and that's JT for me, bro. Mark Willett, this is a dope question, by the way. John Terry and Frank Lampard are very different people, different education, different backgrounds, who will turn out to be a more successful manager um, he goes on and talks about their educational backgrounds, about um, JT's sort of tough schooling, and, you know, Lampard's got this incredibly high IQ, like, higher than Carol Vorderman, for you uh, American fans out there. <laughs> Basically, yeah, we, we're a we're little uh, exchange there, but it's an incredibly good question, because they're both getting into management now. Um, uh, JT's going to be a second assistant coach, and Lamps obviously is the first coach for Derby, which is a great, great move for him, actually. It's a big move, rather. Who is going to be better? A lot of people would be because they've seen JT, sorry, excuse me, Lamps talk about football as a pundit and even as a coach now. A lot of people would be inclined to choose him. We have just seen him, uh, his Derby side, uh, let's be honest, outplay Man United at Old Trafford. Arguably not the strongest Man United side. But, you know, and it's still, nonetheless, it's a great feat. But let's, um, let's look at the, uh, the attributes here. John Terry is a leader. He's the, um, he's the quintessential leader in football in the changing room. He would demand respect when he's there. You know, wherever he goes, when you're into Villa and stuff, you know, people, there's an air of them. You don't take, he doesn't take any shit. He respects you as a professional. He looks after you. He'll lead you into battle. He'll believe in you. He'll, you know, he'll really empower you, and he won't take anything less than a hundred percent. You know, there'll be a sort of togetherness. There'll be a, um, a just a sort of warlike attitude where you know you give everything together, and there'll never be any problems. And if there is a problems, he'll make you talk it out, and you know he'll be proper like leader, coach. You know, whereas Frank Lampard would be a a much more sort of cerebral approach i'd imagine you know this is with this is sort of an a, all assumptions really but frank being such a smart guy uh i think quite empathetic and understanding also like he's incredibly uh measured the way he approaches things but he's obviously been around the game a lot and he's forward thinking and he obviously he's got jody morris there who he worked with a little bit at chelsea in helping the youth um I think Frank was more of a scholar of the game than JT. 
JT will be like the uh, the quintessential leader and warrior, whereas Frank would be more the sort of cerebral scholar in terms of um, how he's going to approach football with the game. Maybe you know maybe tactically and maybe just um, just more more of that sort of those sort of elements of the game. It's going to be certainly very very interesting to see it pan out. Um, I really do wish. Uh, hope sort of um, Lamps does very well and JT of course uh, if I had to pick one to come back to manage the club purely because of how football you know if, if this was 20 years ago you'd want the JT character but the way football's going it looks like Lampard might be better suited to today's game so that's how I answer that question <laughs> probably ultimately I'd imagine Lampard but you know I'd love to see them both succeed all right um, I'm going to wrap this up, guys. It hasn't been the longest one. I've actually covered loads considering the time I've been recording, but I am I am a super real guy, so you'll have to you'll have to bear with me. Okay. Right. So it's been a really interesting episode. It's been condensed. Hopefully, it's been insightful for you guys listening to my thoughts. Um, a quick thank you to everyone who's helped me reaching over 10k followers on Twitter. Um, I essentially what I was doing is I was trying to follow loads of people. That Chelsea FC fans, um, and then the ones who follow me back, I sort of remain connected to a few inactives on there. But um, yeah, I'm really pleased that I'm sort of connected to so many Chelsea fans now on social media, and we can keep the discussion up at Chelsea Yannick for my Twitter handle. Um, I do want to quickly plug the, uh, the the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts because uh, yeah, I'm looking to try and get as many five star reviews as possible takes you guys probably five ten seconds to quickly click five stars and it really helps me out so if you would like me to keep doing this pod and you enjoy it and i really hope you do because i really enjoy it um yeah please do subscribe on your app and um yeah and and if you could just quickly pop onto itunes and give me five stars and write a little nice message in the review that means a lot because i'll be reading that back and um don't you want to give me those warm fuzzy feelings oh yeah (laughs) So it's the international break, guys. Boo. But, you know, I'll be back after the Man United game. Hopefully we've got good stuff to talk about. And I'll probably be trying to look to get some guests on soon. I've been talking to some people. I just need to figure out how to do uh, the technical side of it with Skype. But, yeah. Thank you for joining me on the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Up the Chelsea. Keep the blue flag flying high. I think I did that the wrong way around. Carefree, wherever you may be, listener. And I'll see you later.